Hi, all. Like our Madam X episode, this week's episode of All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna is super long because it's about one of the most seminal moments in Madonna's entire career, the Blonde Ambition Tour from 1990. Due to its length and the amount we discuss, we're going to take a couple weeks off and take a little breather before we embark on the next huge wave of Madonna history with you. Thank you for listening to our podcast, and we'll see you soon. Enjoy. Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Mark. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. The Blonde Ambition Tour. We've waited a long time, kids. We're here. Let's get started. Yes. <laughs> um, Mark, um, can you remember the first time you saw this? Yes. Uh, so one of the, right off the bat, um, uh, the, the Blind Ambition tour was recorded several times over the, the tour. Um, there was a, a recording made in Japan that was made into a laser disc and there were several other over the city tours because you can find them all on YouTube. We'll link to you. We'll give all the children all the different options. But the the one that everybody uh, waited for, anticipated, was the HBO broadcast on August. I think it was August sixth. August fifth. August fifth, nineteen ninety. HBO. Uh, broadcast the final night live. So it was happening live in Nice, France. And it was amazing. So we were all waiting. And that was when that was the first time I saw it. And I will say that night was a very important night for me uh, creatively because the same night that the Blonde Ambition Tour. 1990 was being broadcast live on HBO as a special presentation. Also, Twin Peaks was rebroadcasting its season, the premiere episode on ABC, getting ready to start up its second season at the end of September. So they were going to rebroadcast the whole first season again in August and September for a September 30th premiere of the second season. So I had to decide, am I going to tape the... True Twin Peaks premiere, or am I going to tape the Madonna live from Nice, France on the Blonde Ambition Tour 90, an HBO special presentation? And what did you do? I had my aunt tape one and we <laughs> taped the other. <laughs> That's a really smart solution because, and, and also for a, um, a early teen, to yes. figure that out, you know, oh, that's a lot. It was a big um, deal, and I still have the VHS tape. Uh, so do I. Yeah. I, 
frankly, first of all, a couple things. One, I'm surprised that you had HBO considering the way you talk about your family life that that you actually had HBO because it seems like something your parents maybe wouldn't have wanted you to have or to um, have in the house. Yeah. Um, and so that's one. And then I also do wonder, well, I didn't, I was not, I mean, I was paying attention to Twin Peaks, but there was no question that I had to watch the Blonde Ambition tour. And I, like you, that was a, that was a, a, a life changing experience watching life this show. Changing. And I watched, I watched, uh, the Madonna, well, back to why we had HBO. We had HBO because Indiana Jones movies and Star Wars movies, and there were all these movies that we all loved to watch. Jaws was on HBO. So like they weighed out the risk of having Mm. uh, access to movies. Cause see back in the day, you had to have one of those streaming channels to uh, watch any movies or you had to rent them on VHS. And so um, that's why we had HBO. But I watched the Blonde Ambition Tour live because I was worried if it got too controversial, my mother would make me turn off the VHS. Like I wanted to watch it so that I was sure to see it just in case I said, you ha cannot keep that VHS tape. Right. So you'd have that, you'd have the memory. Yeah. That's so Correct. smart. But they did. They let yeah. me oh, keep it. Nice. Nice. I think yeah. my mother had waved the white flag on Madonna by 1990. Well, you know what? That's a really interesting point because I actually think in a weird way, culture waved a white flag to Madonna in 1990, meaning it, I feel like that tour in this moment was a sort of turning point in her. It like pushed her to this other level of fame that was sort of like undeniable. It was like Michael Jackson level. Well, and 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 this is a bigger this is a bigger uh, conversation about the tour, which is this is really the last time that Madonna is using the normal concert tropes. This is the this is the Mount Everest of Madonna doing traditional concert touring tropes uh, in, in a traditional setting. Because if you look at the tour, it's very traditionally structured. It's, it, she does all of her hits for really the last time all collected at that time, the hits she had at that time. And it, it's like a traditional tour. It's 57 dates across several continents. She's, you know, it, it goes all summer long. It's playing arenas, it's playing stadiums, it's it's playing all of these different areas. And it 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 is there's 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 all the usual stuff that Madonna does. The only the only thing she really doesn't and, and she even does a bow. She even does the bow for the last time, really on this tour. And then starting with the girly show, she starts to kind of break all the rules and really stretch the genre and turns it into this other thing. But this is the last kind of time that that this it, that it feels like a traditional tour. It has traditional lighting, it has traditional, it has all of the, the, the kind of tropes of a tour from 1990. And, and, but she's doing it better than anybody ever did it again. Okay, yeah, I agree with that last point that it, she does it better than anybody ever did it again. I also, mm. though, disagree in that, yes, I think it is all the tropes, 
but it is something new. And I yes. think that it's also the template for girly show. And then even when she comes back, when we know have to wait like eight or nine years before she comes back for Drowned World, which of course takes it to a whole nother level because the technology and everything has grown so yeah. much by that point. Um, but I do think it's the template for all of her future tours, which is, is a reinvention. So it is that really interesting thing because it was both old and new, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, are we gonna are we gonna go through this tour? Let's go I think through we this should. tour. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, because I wanna I wanna I wanna propose that um this is the greatest opening of any Madonna concert. Yes. There's only one other opening that I think even comes close. Mm -hmm. Do you wanna do you uh, uh that that's to come? Yeah. Um Oh goodness, that comes close. Um, I would say the confessions. Definitely. I would say the confessions opening yeah. is pretty incredible. The only the what, however, why I would caveat that because a lot of what makes the confessions opening so fabulous is the ball and yes. the stagecraft. Yes. What is so extraordinary about this tour and, and you know, everyone, you know what, pause, go and click on one of the links in the iTunes uh, section and watch this tour. Like go watch it because there's gonna be spoilers galore and you really should marvel at how, and watch that last show because she's been doing this show all summer fucking long. It's 50, it's show 57. You will be blown away by the energy this woman yes, has for the that, last show. That is, well, I, first of all, I think, you know, her energy was extra because she knows the whole world was watching, which is a very Madonna thing. Yes. But I, you're absolutely right. That is the thing that when I watched it, I was like, I have to admit that when we, you know, knew this was coming up, I was like, oh gosh, we had to watch the whole tour. And I was sort of like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to do it because I, even though I love it, I was like, this is a lot of work. But the second it started, I was ah. so enraptured because her energy and the, the, the mood, the way her, she used her body, it was effortless and also so full. I couldn't believe it. And unlike the Who's That Girl tour where it felt like she was working, this just feels like it's just coming out of her like pure, beautiful energy. Um, well, and 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 that's that's what's extraordinary about the tour is the entire thing is not built really as as theatrical as the show is. And it really, the reviews of it were, were radiant, some of the best reviews of her career. And it's very theatrical and it's very entertaining it's really all built on the bodies of these dancers and Madonna yes. and the singers. There's no extra really fluff or stuff. So that's why I think like as great as Future Lovers is, a lot of it has to do with the stagecraft. This is just Madonna, Nikki and Donna and those dancers yep. Yep. building Express Yourself into this incredible orgiastic uh Menage of imagery and movement and provocativity and sexuality and I mean that opening is just so strong. It is such a strong statement, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just 
how can you not after that be totally enraptured? And, um, and, and, you know, uh, and I've gone and I've looked at almost every video I could find. I have no idea how Nikki and Donna get on stage. They just kind of co- appear magically because you're so obsessed with Madonna yes. coming down the stairs. And a couple of images you've got um, when she pushes up, she, she does push-ups over Slam's body, sim- simultaneous sex. Yes. When she pulls open the, the suit jacket and reveals the iconic, bustier. and I don't, I'm not saying iconic very much these days, <laughs> the iconic pink bustier and cone mm. bra. Mm. Um, the moment when she sits down in the middle of this insanity and does the monocle move. I, yes. I'm like, wow, that, that is amazing. <laughs> like in the middle of all this, they're they're heaving, they're doing the, 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 the Roger Rabbit, they're doing all kinds of dancing. And then she just sits down, turns to the, turns to the audience with the monocle. So weird. The monocle. It's that is such a weird moment. I totally agree. I also want to check in about her hair because yes. her hair for the niece show was different than what we had been seeing in all the pictures from the tour up until that point, right? Because Correct. she had had the I Dream of Jeannie ponytail, yes. you know, for everything. And that's what I was expecting when she entered. And then well, she comes that's out. Not- that's actually yeah. not true. So, so she did um, the ponytail with the braid uh, yeah. for all of the the for Japan and the U.S. When she went to Europe, because it was such a, a burdensome process to put that thing on every night, she stopped doing that. And she'd also grown out her hair. And so, if you look like a lot of the Europe shows, she has this big, almost like uh, express yourself hair, mm. like big curly like almost wild hair. But then for the last few shows, she has them in tight curls and ringlets yes. that slowly unfurl yes. as the night goes on. Yes, that so is what I want to talk about. Because I just, I, that was one of the most beautiful things watching. That was like the progression of the show because those tight curls at the end also really reflected the song, Express Yourself. It's like tight and yeah. muscular and controlled. Yeah. And by the end, her hair is just kind of wild and loose. And I mean, before she does, um, keep it together and pulls it back. Like, yeah. you know, like for Vogue, I mean, her hair is, she's just totally, it's also this thing, like she just totally is given into the performance. That's where it becomes to me like a spiritual experience. And you can tell she's just in it. She's inside yeah. of it so yeah. deep, you know? Yeah. It's just so beautiful. And that's and that's consistent almost throughout the entire tour. It's yes. not like, and I do feel like, and we'll talk about this when we get to, to Truth or Dare, but the insanity around her life at this time. And it was, there was so much going on. Truth or Dare was being shot. Dick Tracy was happening. She's touring. She's trying to have a relationship with Warren Beatty. She's dealing with all these dancers. She's dealing with her family. And then those two hours every night that she got to do the show, none of that mattered and it was untouchable. Yes. And that was her, that was her place, you know? Hey, I wanted to check in about her microphone too, because the Madonna Uh. mic, right? (laughs) Um, Which became known as the Madonna mic, right? And I always felt like when she used using that, I knew she was basically lip syncing or singing to track, you Mm -hmm. know, because when she had their handheld mic, you could hear her voice much clearer. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was looking up the Madonna mic because I was like, why is it called? Well, I know it's called the Madonna mic because she created that image, you know, of it. But it was actually, I looked this up because I was so curious about it. Do you know who invented the Madonna mic? Who? Kate Bush. 
I totally see that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I was reading up about it and it it was telling the story of how she created it with like wire hangers in order to be able to move while she was performing in the late 70s. Wow. Well, that was the last time she toured. She never toured after. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Kate Bush never toured. She did one tour, wow. and that was so the that tour was, she did it with. I yeah. guess so, yeah. And I, so she made a very analog version, and then I think uh, apparently Peter Gabriel uh, um, did yeah. some corrections or fixed or you know wanted to work on it more, and then other artists and Madonna, but Madonna created that silhouette of that. Um, but isn't that interesting? Oh, my gosh. That totally <laughs> makes sense, too, because she's somebody who doesn't just like sing a song on stage, everything, she flies, she does this, she does that, that's, well, but I don't think Madonna's lip syncing. No, I don't think she's lip syncing. I think she's singing to a track and they're mixing the two. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you can hear sort of her vocal in there, but it's also sort of doubled or tripled with like a recording, which which I've learned over the years that she does concert recordings that, so that the vocals sound a little more raw, but Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not they're not the album recording, but they you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. she mixes that then with her live recording, and that's some a little bit of trickery, but not a lot. Well, and I mean the the one the one uh, uh, the one shadow on that niece performance is her voice. She's at the end of the tour, oh, and yeah. her voice is is raw. And I remember, <laughs> and they've subsequently sweetened it and done some digital stuff, and definitely, obviously, for Truth or Dare, the vocals are better. There are a few times where she hits a note and it's like, and I remember it from the night it happened where I was like, uh, cause I think I was watching it with my family. And so I was like proving to them that Madonna was important. Do you know what I mean? And then she would hit this one or two notes and I'd be like, don't, it's okay. You know, you met your match when you met me during causing a commotion. Oh. That was a moment. When oh, I was well, like, oh, you know, the Madonna. worst one, the worst one is in, um, you know, it's a family affair. <laughs> <laughs> There's also one in Oh Father, but we'll get to that later. Well, and 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 you could tell, like, like because you know, the the, the other thing is, is because it's an act, she does get these little breaks, yeah. and so you, she's doing some kind of potion backstage, so that she comes back and she's fresh for like another song, yes. and then it starts to go back. So it's like yes. these hills and valleys. Um, yes, yes. So she does, she does this. Um, express yourself and it ends with everybody together and then the guys all kind of uh lurk away and then it's just the three women at the end in a moment Mm. of empowerment and then we go to what i think is probably the least effective song in the whole tour which is open your heart agreed i feel like at this point this is one of those i when i wrote in my notes i was like oh she's already overdoing this song she doesn't want to do this song anymore yeah. Do you know what I mean? She's just trying to get through it. And it is a live vocal. So I think there's that that's to it. But like, yeah, I, she's just, she's kind of like playing with the chair. She's standing on the chair. There's nothing really going on there. Well, you know? and and she, and so Oliver Crooms is the, and I, I hope we get to talk about each of the dancers. Oliver Crooms makes his, uh, his spotlight moment because I think every single one of the dancer, this is another thing that's so great about the choreography and the, the tour. Every, Every dancer gets a special moment with Madonna throughout the tour, throughout the show. Every single one of them gets a moment. And this is Oliver Crooms. Oliver Crooms um, is uh, a dancer. He's from Texas and um, he shows up with a red little hat on and a sparkly little top. And he kind of does this amazing break dance 
interpretive dance. And while Madonna sit, sits on a chair and then at some point they flip and he's at the, he's at the chair for a bit. And then he winds up being at the end spinning. It yeah. doesn't have, it doesn't have a narrative that I can hold on to. No, there's nothing. And, and there's nothing special about it. You know, no, and 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 the movements she does these like movements that are like yeah. Fosse esque, but they're the same movements. That they keep doing it over and over again, and yeah. I just kind of feel like after Express Yourself, well, first of all, she's like, I need a song where I can just slow down a little bit, and also she's like, we 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 just gained all these points with Express Yourself. I can kind of not phone it in, but again, just be sort of like. If Express Yourself was an 11, this is like a four and a half. Well, you know and, it's, I mean? and it's a number, it's it's checking a box because yep. she, again, she still feels compelled to do all of her hits and this is a big hit. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it's the same. I feel this way about causing a commotion though. There's stuff to talk about with causing commotion with the girls, but like I still even feel like that's a sort of phoned in song too. And it feels like they just kind of pulled that out of who's that girl and just dropped it in. You know, like there's not a lot of difference. Well, that. and why do you think they did? Do you think because causing a commotion was such a hit in like Japan and things like that, that they put that? Why did they do causing a commotion? I have no idea. I think because she wanted a song with the girls. That was just the three of them. Yeah. And it must have, you know, for her narrative, you know, she always talks about the story of the show. Like there must have been some reason, but I have no idea what it was. Well, I have a couple because they do have they they sing a material girl together later in the show. Like, yes. like they get Nikki and Donna and Madonna get plenty of time together. Um, I think this is a song to show so that she can beat them up and show oh, that oh, she's definitely, the boss. Definitely. And um she also adds um and I want to track Madonna's costumes. So she's in the bustier oh in the God, pants yes. and the suit pants. So now she adds a little like jumper over yes, it. Yes. So that she's like a boxer. And gloves. And gloves. So the <laughs> the three of them do, and she takes a couple sips of water. So then she so now she's done two songs. She's they're they're doing a number together. Come on, you guys. The girls are kind of ganging up on her. And then they kind of, then she winds up, so they sing causing a commotion and then uh, she winds up conquering over them and, and totally. telling them she's the boss and then beating them up basically hey, let's, in these let's listen to a ways. I think oh. we should listen to a section of it for sure. Just me, That's right. God damn it. Now why did you girls have to do that to me, huh? It's my last show. You gonna tell me why? Ah! Des olé, mes enfants, c'est la dernière fois que je vais vous dire Je suis le chef! You don't speak French, do you? It means, stop fucking with me! Oh, my, my favorite, my favorite thing about Madonna tours <laughs> particularly early on, she learns like three sentences per city. Yeah. And that's what she learns. For, and she keeps saying them over and over again. Yeah. So, so, so Madonna says hello to the audience <laughs> after beating up the girls yeah. and saying that she's, you know, the champ and blah, blah, blah. And then um, the boys come out to do 
uh, where's the party? You know, she kind of launches into where's the party. Yeah, where's the fucking party? Is what she does. Come on, but Jay. You know Come on, Paul Peso. Show us what you got. <laughs> right. So we Oh, but there's that hype guy who comes out at the beginning of that, right? Isn't that when, when they No, come no, out? that's uh, at the beginning of causing a commotion. Oh, right. Okay. Does like the like the <laughs> um, but you know what? God. Where's the party actually for me really works? Yes. I thought that was a great, I thought her energy in that is great. And she's really working the stage and she's, it's one of the only times, there's only one other time where she's on the stage kind of alone for a little while. And that's one of the times, you know? Yeah. Um, and, oh, and Mark, I think that's sort of like the end of what we would call act one, which is sort of yeah. like the metropolis section, right? Well, so and she, song. and she runs off the stage at some point, And then the dancers, the, the, the three guys that are dancing with her, uh, they kind of do a kind of acrobatic routine to give her a, a moment. Which is great. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of the choreography, you know this story about there was a different choreographer originally who she fired? No, tell me that story. Well, I don't know much of the story because I guess there's not a lot about it, but this avant she had hired this avant-garde uh, choreographer named Carol Armitrage. Mm -hmm. Do you know mm -hmm. who that is? Yes, I've heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who I guess was doing something a little too far out of the box. And Madonna fired her like the first week of rehearsals and mm -hmm. then um, replaced her with Vincent, P P Vincent Pat Patterson, yeah, who did and the he, show. And he and and you can see video of them rehearsing for this show. On that. Ooh. Yeah, it's 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 an incredible. Oh, my God. Okay, um, and she and I just love I love seeing Madonna really dance, and this section yes. she's been dancing up a fucking storm through this whole show. She dances. It's one of the last shows where I feel like she dances consistently through the and show, and you can see her 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 talent and skill and training yes. as a dancer and her joy. You know, yeah, yeah. Listen, this second, this next act, which I I call like I don't know what you have a name for it, but I'm calling it like the religious section. Yeah, let's call it let's call it religious. Let's call it the patriarchal section. <gasps> I love it. To <laughs> me, Mark, this is this act in itself is the turning point of her career. Are you going to go with me on this? Break it down for me, Kenny Finkel. Okay, I will, and then you can you can agree or disagree. So here's right. my thing. First, it's it's uh, how many songs? Five songs. Like a virgin, like a prayer. Um, uh, live to live tell. To tell. Oh, Father, Papa, and don't, Papa preach. don't preach. Yes, genius. The story of those five songs together yes. is genius. First, secondly, I'd say each of those is completely reinvented. And to me, it's the first true reinvention of her career. Like, because she recontextualizes all of those songs and places them in a story that's different than what we had experienced before mm -hmm. and makes us see the songs in a different way and hear them and the visual. And she's different. She's in a really, she's perform, she's playing character in that mm -hmm. section that's so different than anything we'd really seen before and the way that she moves with the group and the relationship she has and the darkness and the tone, the religion, the way that she addresses religion and family and sex mm. is all things she's talked about or explored. But this is like, it all culminated in a way that was more than it had ever been before. I, I love that. And I agree with it 155,000% because it is Madonna taking these songs that at this point are, are huge hits for her. Oh, Father's probably the least 
um, familiar of these songs. I mean, it's now 1990. Like a Prayer has been being blasted on the radio for a, almost a full year already. And it's become a standard for Madonna. And the uh, pop, they're all kits. She comes out of so she comes out of the the floor on a on a tilted bed. The mm. um, suit suit pants are gone. She's just in the bustier now, and um, Ga- Gabriel and Jose are um, in their cone bras, looking like serpents over the bed, and they do the best version of or like a virgin ever. The best version. She's live. She's singing with a mic. Um, it's the beginning of my obsession of how Madonna gets the mic back and forth. Yes. It, you know, they hand her the mic. They hand off the mic. She tucks it in someplace. She's, she, it's attached to the bed. It's, this is one of the things I love about Madonna is because she shows us a lot of the stage trickery. She doesn't, or she doesn't, she doesn't hide it. This is consistent through her whole career and so where other artists would have some way that it would be a little slicker we literally see the handoff the handoff is part of the theatrics i totally agree i always think about that bed because it's like both you know really evocative and i also think like oh it's probably made of wood you know so it's really uncomfortable and I was like, maybe that, a tiny yoga yoga cushion, right. yeah. to, so that she can like hump it without yeah, hurting yeah. herself. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and I'm always like, those sheets must be dirty. But of course, I know they're not. I just think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I agree with you. There's not. She's never been able to do like a virgin better. I would say again, maybe I actually like the version in Rebel Heart where mm. she's just sort of doing it alone, you know, and having yeah. fun with it. But, um, and in confessions, it's not bad either, but this, but nothing compares. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And then she humps the bed and masturbates. And that has been a point of, of crazy contention throughout the, I uh, think the not, years, this was the moment. That. Yes. And Mark thinking of us both, I'm a little older than you. I think I was 19 when this came out. Um, and but you were a wee babe, uh, a wee teen, seeing your icon masturbating on stage. I mean, this is a true radical moment. I think. Yeah. Well, and and I think for for uh, for me, and I think for a lot of people, uh, it opened a door to like, where did she get that idea from? How? And then and it forced you to kind of delve into other artists who did things like that, you know, like around that time was the first time I heard about Robert Maplethorpe, for example. And mm. I I heard about, you know, Patti Smith for the first time around this time. And I, I, I remember kind of being like, well, you know, do people do that? I remember there, there was a, um, my mom, somebody referenced um, 
Yoko Ono during this time mm. when I'd be like, wow, Madonna's so provide. She's simultaneous uh, simulating masturbation on stage. And someone was like, oh, Yoko Ono did that in the, in the 60s. Mm. And so it forced it, it's almost like this Rubik's cube of like boxes that like one image can trigger off this whole journey into all these like performance artists. And um, I love and that. I think it, it's probably, you know, when when people kind of dismiss Madonna as a sycophant to downtown performance artists from this, this is as, as um, uh, radical, this is a radical move to make in a big multi-million dollar sponsored stadium tour. Yeah, yeah, it is really radical. I mean, that's also, that's the thing. I think in uh, in downtown East Village, if she had done this, it's not necessarily radical, but I think context is everything. And I think absolutely yeah. her taking that image and putting it in such a large venue changes the importance of it. Yeah, I do think it's interesting too, and I think you're absolutely right. And this is again, something especially all the way through the 90s too that Madonna does, and even still, um, these references that one image is a reference to something from the past that goes back and back and creates a lineage of, of visual art, visual and musical Correct. art, right? Correct. That's it's all coming her. together. It's all yeah. coming together. So beautiful. Hey, I would just want to um, do a little funny side note because for some reason in my notes, I wrote here, um, I literally, this is what I have in my notes. I wrote, she never really dated an older man after Warren. And then I wrote, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, I wrote, do you think oh, she Lord. was like dating an older man is weird? I don't like old man bodies. And now that she's older, she still can't imagine dating an old a man her age. I don't know why that's in my notes. Um, I think <laughs> since I we're on have... the patriarchy section, I think this is pertinent. Um oh, maybe I because think, of oh father, yeah, or I don't know. I think if Norman Mailer was less crazy, I think she would have dated him after that Esquire interview. Because Norman Mailer and her had chemistry, and I wonder, I wonder if he hadn't been such a crazy lunatic, she she may have been like, you know, what we go to dinner. Norman. Do you think he made an advance? Oh yeah, yeah, probably. I think he flirted. I think mm -hmm. she flirted too. I think yeah, they both. Yeah. I think they had chemistry. And I, then in I, the, in I think that there's an energy thing that like. You know, I mean, I also think because, partly because of Truth or Dare, she, a lot of what Madonna gets in terms of energy comes from the fact that all of these dancers are so, she's so familiar with them. She's become, there's a collective kind of energy that that happens. And, um, you know, after the masturbation, uh, she says God, and then yes. we start like a prayer. And every, all the entire company comes back together for the first time since yes. Express Yourself. And what's so exciting um, is we've been waiting a year for her to perform this song live. I don't think yes. she's performed it. She She's no. not performed it. And we've been waiting. It's exciting. Church things come down from the ceilings and out from the sides. Madonna puts on a long uh, black coat with the Madonna sign uh, cross yes. behind on the back of it with a hood. It's very theatrical. There's a cross around her neck. 
And yes. we do like a prayer, but we do the version of like a prayer, the remixed version. We do not get a traditional version, right? Which I think is incredible. I thought so too. That's what I when I was watching it again. I was like, I had this flashback of me watching it and hearing that version and being like, how do I get that version? How do I get that version? And so that when by the time Immaculate Collection comes out, which has a, a truncated version of this version, yeah. you know, I was so thrilled because it was the the live version. Um, it also made me remember that um, I saw this the summer after my first year of college. I remember that when I got back to college, just a couple of weeks later, back to New York, and I would go on these runs to all the different record stores, yeah. you know, because you could buy their bootlegs, like tapes of recordings of live shows. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, scoping out and finding like recordings of Blonde Ambition so I could have this this version to play in my Walkman as I walked around town. <laughs> I, I still have, I still have a double CD with a picture disc mm. of Madonna from the London shows that was maybe three weeks before this, mm. that they, pub, they, they broadcasted on BBC One on the radio. So it's a, it's a quality sound. That's probably what I got too. Yeah, yeah. that makes it's sense. It's a pretty great show. She talks a lot about fucking it's this performance. It's this group of dancers doing it with her. It's um, there. There's so much yes. ensemble work. They do all of those moving group things on yes, tiptoes. Um, Nikki and Donna are dressed as sexy nuns, kind yes. of dominatrixy <laughs> yes. nuns. We hear Nikki do the 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 mm -hmm. interlude. The only time she ever does it live is on this tour. We never she doesn't do it again. And, um, and that sounds incredible. And it's it's really one of the only times. And I love. I agree. I think I think this is this is the sweet spot of Madonna's uh, whole lore in terms of theatricality, intensity, her investment in it, and the song itself. But um, this is the only time she ever does it where it matches the build of the recording. Mm -hmm. It continues to build and become this bigger, bigger, bigger thing in mm -hmm. the way that it does on record. I mean, I think maybe Madame X actually is one of the greater yeah. Like a Prayer moments, but it could also be because we were just waiting for something that we could all... You know? well, and it was near the end. It was the end of yes. the show. It yes, was the end yes, of the because yes. this is really one of the only times it's it's at the it's yeah it's it, like the sixth in the song. middle of the show yeah. <laughs> versus you know we're we're wrapping up the story, kids. Right. Yeah. So she ends this. They all kind of drift away, and then she sings. Then we have the beautiful "Live to Tell," "Oh Father," yes. uh, duet with Carlton Wilburn, beautiful Carlton, uh, playing a priest. And Everyone's a priest or a nun or Madonna. I love it. And it's She's so a postulate. I always I always imagine Madonna was like a postulate who had wandered in for like some like yeah. insane church, you know, thing. Totally. And, totally. And they're all taking care of her. Do you want I me to lead? Get... Do you want me to lead the the prayer? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I always get the sense from watching this, like of how much she adores Carlton and how much he yeah. adores her. Um, and we see this later in the Truth or Dare film that there is true affection between them. And I think there's just something so beautiful about their duet. It's much more grounded than even than any of the others, you know. Well, and she also the the her her petiteness to his his height, they both have matching strength. Yeah. And I find that always really beautiful to watch. She's so small and compact yeah. and he is so tall and lanky and yet they have the same kind of yeah. They match each other in this weird way. And she trusts him implicitly when oh. he picks when he picks her up. It's just so beautiful, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I love that section. And he tries to, she tries to embrace, embrace him. He rejects her. She takes off the cross and puts it yes. on the kneeler. And then she takes off the robe and she has a translucent version of the robe on over the bustier, still in the bustier. Gorgeous. And then we launch into Papa Don't Preach. Yes. What a genius going from Oh Father to Papa Don't Preach. It's oh. so genius. Yeah. Um, and I love the little, like in that, I love the dancing and the movement in Papa Don't Preach too, which which mirrors in a lot of ways the like a prayer. Mm -hmm. um, and there's then that crazy like piano riff in the dancing where it's sort of off key, sort of mix again. We're hearing the song through another lens, you know? Um, and I also want to shout out the girls at this point because they're really, um, uh, this is the end of another section. Madonna yes. is, you know, vocally wavering, Tired. and they are like in it. And the 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 harmonies in Papa Don't Preach are so muscular, yes. so commanding. It's 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 a it's a masterful performance of the song. Agree. And then she, you know, she disappears, and again we have the dancers who are so committed, you know, to the dancing. And then one of my favorite things that happens, they have a curtain drop. Because <laughs> it's a show, Kenny. It's a, it's a show. show. It's a show. Go. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, you have to go dark. through the dark into the light. You have to go through the whole journey. You can't skip parts. She's you can't like, go get a cigarette. Act two over. <laughs> so the curtain falls, and we get this lush swell of music, and it's really great. And then Madonna rises up again um, on a piano. Um, to sing sooner or later. Yes, very fabulous Baker Boys, which was yeah. popular at that moment, right? Michelle Pfeiffer on the piano, and yet it's the Madonna version. My only, you know, qualm is that she's in that sort of gown, but the gown isn't totally set. So you see underneath the kind of green <laughs> outfit she's going to wear, yes. which is not a pretty combo. Do you know what no. I mean? No, it's a layered thing, and there's stripes. It's it's another uh, Gautier corset, but it's 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 kind of a. It's green with like those puffy like feathers. Yeah. And it's very showgirly. Yeah. It's a showgirl kind of thing. But she has this green dress. She has this gown on over it. And it's supposed to be very um, uh, 
classic and Hollywoody, and and you know it's stretching a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> but you know she's had a bit of an elixir backstage, so she sings the song pretty well. Pretty well. There's one note in there. Yeah, um, and and I think it's also it's it's a wonderful thing that um, she's performing a song that's not out yet when the tour starts, mm. and um, and people aren't very familiar with it at, at, at that point. Right. By by niece uh, Dick Tracy had been out a couple of months already, and yep. so people knew the soundtrack and. Yeah. Um, and this whole but, section is the Dick Tracy section. She's yes. going to do like all songs from and inspired by the movie Dick Tracy. From the, the, the Say it album, again. I'm, Bre- I'm Breathless, music from and inspired by the film Dick Tracy. <laughs> um, so she comes down off the piano and, and during the interlude for Hanky Panky, that orchestral thing, and she mm-hmm. kind of does a little, you know, tease to the audience. And then she takes off the gown and then she's in the the thing and they we start hanky panky i fucking love this hanky panky this this is is this i think is as close as we get other than like now i'm following you um obviously to the actual album version this is as traditional as you get and she's plugging the album like she's plugging her new record totally nothing wrong with that but she's having a good time oh yeah yeah and hanky panky um after hanky panky um uh, Dick Tracy shows up, Slam shows up as Dick Tracy, and she asks um, Jay Windig to play her record. And yeah. they're going to do something really naughty. Lip sync. They're going to lip sync. <laughs> but before that, she says... A lot of people say I have... They say I have a lot of balls. But you know what? They're wrong. Because what I have is a dick. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> But what oh, silly, Madonna! This is like the silliest thing. I can't even believe that they put left it in. It's so ridiculous, but it's a really fun dance number. And and it's something where it showcases the dancers, and it's also like it's a it it it's much more innocent. Yeah, and it's a good tonic to the the second section, and and totally it makes it the it balances everything off. So you've got, you've had all this dramatic dark sexual stuff and now it's like oh look ha 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 it's right. still me it's still i'm still funny madonna it's sort um, of her nikki finn world i want to point out that a couple of things first like you said oh usually the second section is where people go get a beer i would say this is when people are going to get a beer because yeah. they also pan out to the audience and there's like literally it's like crickets out in the audience <laughs> like everybody's just like i don't know what's going on i don't know what's going on madonna's not really singing it's a terrible <laughs> weird song and then mark we have guns there yeah. are guns in this section. Yeah. So here's Madonna with her guns again. Yeah. Um, I have a, also have a note in here I just want to point to that. I These are just memories I had when watching it. I remember when I was in college, I took this class that was like, I think it was like a sex and literature class. Like we read like Portnoy's Complaint and Lady mm-hmm. Chatterley's Lover. And the teacher, like for some reason, Madonna came up in the class. I probably brought her up. And the teacher, the professor was like, <laughs> I don't understand this Madonna. What is she? What is she? And I was like, I'll let you watch the Blonde Ambition tour. I'll, here's my VHS. You can borrow it and watch the show so you can understand. So um, a week or two later, she gave me the videotape back. She's like, thanks. And I was like, what did you think? She's like, you know, that's not dancing. She's doing aerobics up there. And I was like, 
you're dead to me. That's a terrible reaction. To I that. thought so too. Aerobics. Uh, aerobics, my butt. I'm I'm very curious how Disney viewed this promotional moment for their <laughs> their film because you know the the guys are all dressed up like Dick Tracy and they're all wearing underwear under the jackets and it's which very, they show. It's yeah. very sexy. It's very kind of um, uh, again burlesque and silly and. Um, totally. And at some at some point, Madonna disappears with Slam down a down an elevator so that she can get changed to get or rest up again for the next section. And the guys are just dancing in their trench coats, like kind of doing. And they do a kick line. They yes, do like a, like, a, like, a, like a Rockettes <laughs> kick yes, line. Totally. I wrote. I wrote. This is just these queens dancing. They're just dancing. They're just having fun. Jose, Jose has always said it's his favorite part of the show. It's just <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, if you haven't paused the podcast <laughs> and gone to watch Blonde Ambition Tour, now's the time to do it. Do it. Um, so after the section, um, another big hit starts its intro before she even gets up there. Yeah. And this is Material Girl. Yeah, and we're sort of in our fourth act, which yeah. um, I read somewhere they're calling, they call the Art Deco segment. Great. Yeah, I don't I know that's why. that's fabulous. Yeah, but Material Girl. And she comes out dressed as um, in curlers in a bathrobe with Nikki and Don, and they have a whole section about they have a whole story backstory about so stupid getting groceries and like, I know. fucking hate this is like the one number I really hate in the show. Really? Yeah, I just don't. I think because maybe I really love Material Girl, and I just wish I I love actually the first in the first tour the way she does it. Mm. I think it's just so funny and sweet and that was enough for me. And I get it. I get it. But she's just, I feel like she's just trying to drive through it. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like, like open your heart. I feel like she's at a point with this song where she doesn't want to do it. She knows she has to do it. So she's like, how can I do it differently to keep myself engaged? Totally. And this was kind of her way of doing that. Um, and it's, it's also like a weird set piece that, they have to rely on like these chairs and I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind it's of like they're in the beauty salon. Yeah. And then they get out and then they, they take off the coat, the, the, the like the, curlers. Visual, the yeah. visual doesn't last very long. And you're like, <laughs> why did you do that in the first place? And then they yeah. do kind of like that grease moves. They're dancing with like kicks and yeah. And then the, the girls run off and then- They uh, go, bye, Madonna. Bye. She's like, bye, she, she spins. She yeah. spins around <laughs> a little bit. And then the harp and the um, the dancers, the fish from- Jerry And she's Shola. like, hi, you guys. Will you play with me? such a sweet version. It is. It's such a sweet version. This is Kevin Stay's ver uh, moment with Madonna mm. in the in the tour. It's it's just such a lovely innocent. I totally she plays agree. the harp. Yes. I wrote genuine affection between her and the dancers. They're really she's yeah. really singing to them. She's hugging them. She and at the beginning of it she's still sort of in automatic mode. And then she mm. she just warms up and warms up. And by the end, when she's sitting on the edge of the stage and just singing to the audience, and she's really enjoying herself. And and yeah. also just the song is undeniably beautiful. Like there's no, you can't fight that song ultimately. And and I think it works much better on stage than we think it does. Yes. Like I I I think it it really and I I have to also think Madonna has to be like, wow. 
I'm, I've just done like this big, I've done this weird section that I had to do for, for Disney. I did this song I don't really like anymore that was a hit. And now I'm doing a new song that I, I literally wrote a year and a half ago and it's a hit and people sing along to it. Like that yeah. must feel so amazing to be able to see your audience, people sing, audience members and your fans sing along to a song you wrote. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, oh. what, a, what a feeling. I love to, you know, there's that moment when she's sitting on the edge of the stage and the, the mermen in the background are doing that sort of like, as yeah. if they're coming in and out of the water. It's just beautiful. I really felt like this was inspired, you yeah. know, like, um, and building on the video, but also taking it in another direction. And then she's like, bye, you guys. Bye. And then she has banter, which we're going to listen to a little bit of. J'adore les poissons, vraiment. Really, I love fish, but, you know, you can only go so far in a relationship with the fish, right? I mean, have you ever seen a fish's ass? Precisely. And speaking of fish, did you hear the one about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? I thought not. See, Adam was hanging out in the Garden of Eden one day and, you know, God came down and said, Yo, Adam, where's Eve? I gotta talk to her. It's really important. So then Adam said, oh, she's down the road. She's playing in the river. So God came down from heaven and he ran down the road and sure enough, there was Eve playing in the water, you know, splashing around, having a good old time. And God said to Eve, oh no, now the fish are going to smell like it. I knew you'd enjoy that one. That's why I said it. Oh, Ew yourself. It was funny. Boots. 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 What is boots? Yeah, I think it's an in-joke, but I don't know I what know. it is. Somebody's got to tell us what the in-joke is. I tried to find an answer online. Someone, please, from out there in the world, uh, message us and let us know what the, what the boots. I'm that dying. Would, I, yeah, that's we would really like important. to know. We don't know. Yeah. Um, so then the guys come out snapping their fingers and uh, j jackets go on, leather jackets. Hey, you don't be silly. Put a rubber on your willy. Thank you. Thank you. It's about safe sex. Yes, of it's course. It's about safe sex. Yes. They 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 proposition the guys and then they say you 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 don't really get to know a guy until you ask him to wear a rubber. And it's 1990 and it's time to be time to yes. put a rubber on your willy. That's pretty great. And then they they launch into into the groove and they all do into the groove to the best. And again, I I wonder how much I wonder how many, like when Madonna was making her set list, if Freddie DeMann was like, you have to do these songs and then you can do these songs from the, do you know, like, yes. because this is another one that feels like a box check, but it's a great version I totally of agree. the song. I totally agree. And it's really the last time she doesn't, um, you know, she's got cars the next time she does it. And it's yeah. it's all kinds of, you know, rigmarole. Shit around it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to point to at the end when she's like, ain't nobody better. Ain't yeah. nobody. And she's like, is that a call to the Shaka Khan song? Yes. Yes. It's a terrible call. Yeah, it. and I don't know why it's there. No, I, I, I it. Right, I wrote that too. I was like, this is so weird and wrong. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't have any reference to it. I also love, I also love that during the, this is not a time, this shows Madonna still connected to dancing, the street, the people, because she doesn't yes. run off the stage and take a break. 
No. She stays and 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 is there with the dancers while they do their breaks during this. Yes. Not only that, Mark, and this is to that point, it's literally what I wrote in my notes. It's like, not only that, Into the Groove ends and Vogue just starts. Boom. And it's like, I was like, that is so hot is what I wrote. I was like, because she does all the change of clothes on stage, right? She's not disappear. I mean, we see the guys come out with the big hats and stuff yeah. first. And, but I literally wrote in my notes and because when that, when that, when the, the strings start for Vogue, I was like, you could hear the whole audience scream. Yes. And I Another started. Another one they've been waiting for. Yes. They've been waiting for her to do it live. Which just came out a few months ago, but is yeah. the biggest hit ever. And I just wrote in my notes, and I really want to talk about this specifically with you, because we talked about this when we talked about the Vogue when we were doing yeah. our Breathless. But Mark, what is it about this song? Like, what is it? Because when that song starts, I still get a rush. I think it's, in this case, I think it is the slow build of what's to come. It's those strings, it's that, it's this frenetic, pulsating dance number that knows itself, knows it's good enough to take its time. Mm. It doesn't, I, I mean, the single version is a different animal, but like this version with all those strings and like, you listen to the version that's in Immaculate Collection, which is basically this version. So it's it's taking its time coming to you, but you know that when it gets there, it's gonna deliver. Mm. And it mm. always delivers. Even in the times when it's truncated, like in Madame X, mm -hmm. even the times when it's the first number and Madonna's doing yoga, like reinvention, even yeah. when it's interpolated with um, other songs like in the Hard Candy version, which mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of, but I still love Vogue. Um, and even even in the next tour with 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 in Girly Show, like there's something about this song that galvanizes everybody as well. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody who right. anybody who was like, I don't know, Cherish, I like Into the Groove, everybody's back together because they know it's coming. They know. Yeah you know it's gonna it's gonna hit you over the head yeah. and this version is probably as stripped down as it ever gets live it's just the dancers and some great headwear yeah and madonna and it and it it's extra it's incredible well again this is just similar to everything all the songs from like a prayer she's never done the song live until now so it's so fresh and they don't have to put anything on top of it because it's just the song itself is there. I think you're absolutely right that it takes its time, which is so smart. And it builds like even everything, every element builds and builds and builds until we get to get up on the dance floor, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's, it's amazing. You're right. I think that's, that's what it is. And I would also encourage people, um, to see the versions on the different tour videos, because you get a sense of the whole performance of every, of the ensemble working together in a way you don't get in the truth or dare video because they keep intersplicing it with, um, them on the tour and and non-performance shots so you, so it's more a truncated version but if you if you look and see some of the, some of the wider shot videos you see how everybody's working together to create this incredible stage picture yeah. of vogue that you don't get and and even in the niece version a lot there are a lot of more close-ups of madonna 
in that version than there are in some of the other tour videos. Mm -hmm. Or even in Truth or Dare. Yeah. I think it's really beautiful. Oh, it's incredible. And she's singing live. She's doing it live. Well, she's doing it live, but there's a lot of track in there. Yeah. A lot of vocal. Yeah. Um, But I I don't mind it. To go back to the costuming, I think that she the 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 black the all black kind of like outfit Gautier outfit that she's wearing here is under the material yes. girl. Yes, she clothes. just takes that off. Yeah. yeah, this is again when we were talking at the beginning about her hair has now come out of the tight curls. She's just in kind of like a very utilitarian outfit for this. It's just like, and she's not even wearing heels. They're wearing she's wearing some kind of boot. She's mm-hmm. like really just totally stripped down to like, we're just going to fucking dance and do the fucking show. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and again, it, again, so now we are, we are 15 numbers into this show. Madonna has taken three breaks the whole time and has not stopped moving otherwise. She's not sitting. She's not doing enough. She, she stood for sooner or later. Yeah. But that was it. Everything else, she has been running around this stage, moving around like a crazy yeah. person, dancing, being twisted, moving around. It's incredible. The stamina yes. that she yes. has. Which is- brings me to um, one thing I noticed in the credits, which was that it lists very actively her trainer, yes. Rob Parr. And I just uh, want to highlight Rob Parr because if you were around in the late 80s, early 90s and paying attention to tabloid magazines or people or whatever, you know, one of the most iconic things you can find on all of those magazines were pictures of Madonna and her trainer, Rob Parr, running, right? Running wherever they were around the world. Madonna with her hat, baseball hat on, her sunglasses and her long t-shirts that almost always had some kind of message on the Mm. front of them, right? And Rob um, running with her. Rob was like kind of like, uh, mustache daddy. He was yeah. a blonde mustache daddy. He was like really built, kind of, and and he wore he, bicycle pants yes. over his sh- under his shirt, and yes. they ran. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure. Sh- I think what's interesting is you know this was during the era when Madonna. Oh, Madonna's so in shape. Madonna's so in shape. She's not the muscular like she's thin, and mu- and her thin. back is really muscular, but her she's not that chiseled person she becomes later. I think, she, yeah, I think she's designed to be a machine to move. She's yep. back to the machinery of, of express herself. Um, and this is also, there's a great um, moment with Luis in this song. Luis has his his kind of bow with Madonna during this song. And, um, and he also gets to have it again during the... Um, uh, performance they do at the MTV Music Awards later this summer, at the end yeah. of the summer yeah. of this song. Um, and it's, it's it's incredible. And then they do a bow. Yes. They do a bow. Yeah. Like end of show. Good night. The musicians. Everybody. To come out and do a bow with Madonna. The dancers do a bow with the Madonna. And then Nikki and Donna do a bow with Madonna. And then Madonna gets to do a bow with Madonna. And her response to the adulation strike a pose and then everyone poses and then the curtain goes down (laughs) even the guitar like and i love it because it's like and again i love madonna but like you didn't tell the band to like dress up for the last show i mean they're like in jordash jeans doing a pose don't get me started well when we get to the end of keep it together and everybody who's working on the show comes out and everything that they're wearing and looking like i can't wait to talk about it um i'm obsessed yes so then but then 
I mean, I think Daryl Jones has like shorts on. He's the oh, bassist. All, all the guys come out. All the guys come out. Nobody's wearing a shirt, you know, and they have all these like dad bods and they have long like rocker hair. Yeah, a lot of they're them. They're tour you know, guys. They're they just haven't tour washed guys. their they're clothes not, and they haven't right, washed not, their hair. Yeah, they're not Madonna-esque. They're just, they're the guys behind the scenes, you know? But but um, again, the fact that she takes the, and it, and it plays to the theatricality of, the show and everything that they they do in a traditional bow yes. kind of like with like a prayer the video where there was a yes. bow and 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 it and it's all linked together of like okay we just didn't do just a concert we did a show for you yes, yes. and i think it's really important to like that that kind of theatricality and the fact that she can pull that off in a stadium well because you know first of all mark she's um a broadway actor at this point, don't forget <laughs> she's she's already conquered the Great White Way. She understands conquered stage. the Great White Way. She handed a Tony <laughs> out to the Hartford Regional Theater. <laughs> Calm down, everybody. The band is kind of jamming, and they they hit into Holiday, and then the curtain goes up, and then the um, the whole set. First of all, all of the all of the different scaffolding and levels are gone. Yeah, they've they've all disappeared. The band is in two pieces, and it parts. And Madonna is there dancing. Yes, in her polka dotted halter top and bell bottoms. Everything about it feels bright and sunny and fun. Mm -hmm. I feel like it walks this perfect line between ensemble and solo. She's alone for a lot of the song at the beginning, really mm -hmm. just singing it to the audience. It's summertime in the south of France on the beach, and it feels like we're on holiday. She feels like she's in holiday mode. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Because the whole show feels to me like they've been at the beach all day. They came in, and then they came into the show that night. You know what yeah. I mean? It just seems relaxed and, and, yeah. and they're really enjoying themselves. So I, I love all the different ways that the dancers, uh, you know, some of them tie the the shirts into little, you know, halter tops. Others leave them wide open. Some people button them. Um, yeah. I, and again, it's it's this um, Madonna encouraging individualism. It also made me, which just now when you were talking about it, it made me think about Crave and Madame X and how that's sort of like a weak shadow of the holiday sort of individuality, have fun moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What makes Blonde Ambition Tour such a, an, uh, an extraordinary event is it's about the relationships everyone's having on the stage. And later tours, yeah. Madonna doesn't have time to build those relationships, doesn't have the bandwidth to do it. Right. And as bigger things she wants to discuss and, and examine in the show, oftentimes that involve big conceptual things and physical things and trickery and stagecraft yes. and videos and costumes. I mean, the, that Crave that crave dance was all about the clothes that they were all parading around in. I don't think any of them made eye contact, frankly. And I see Madonna making eye contact in the holiday yeah. video 
with everybody. I think that's such a good point. I'd, I've written some notes about that earlier because I was struck by this is the first tour that she is the largest ensemble for this tour. You yeah. Know? Um, and up to this point, she, up to she this is, point. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And it's the first time that, yeah, you see, I saw, I saw, a, you know, like I said, there's only like two or three times in the show where she's alone, alone. She's really, she's really making herself part of the team. You know, she's mm -hmm. the leader, but she's the part, she's part of it. She absolutely has all this affection and they are like this cast of characters. There are this show and, you know, we get to know them through, they're in the video, they're on the tour, they're at MTV. And then a year later, they're all in the movie and we learn that. This, and she really needed family at this moment in a different yeah. way, right? Her relationship with Warren Beatty is pretty much over. We may not totally know that yet, but it is. Mm -hmm. She's obviously past the Sean moment, but again, not really. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of alone. And so these people become really a major part of her life, which, which, which we'll talk about more when we talk in Truth or Dare about that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think you can see it all on stage and it's really beautiful. Well, and, and, and again, back to Christopher, I think it, it mm. really, it's very telling. She asks her brother to come on tour with her and yeah. work with her on the tour. And yes, he's working for her and working with her, but it's also, there's this little bit of like, oh, it's like taking like your favorite, and I don't mean this as a dig on Christopher, but like your favorite sweater or your favorite blanket or some something from home with you totally out well, into the out into the yeah. wild i mean again when we get to truth or dare you know we, there's so many scenes with the two of them alone before or after a show just talking yeah. you know um yeah. and so that she's he's around all the time he's the consistent consistent thing yeah. that she can trust or feel safe with um, so after this so you know they do this number and then uh the, everyone carries them off. Um, this was also a moment at the end of this number was also a moment when she may have made um, statements during the, the New York shows. This is when she talked about um, the Keith Haring tribute that they did because they did a show to, for HIV, for AIDS um, in New York, the last show at the Garden. Um, in Detroit, famously, her dad is brought out to sing Happy Birthday to at this point. Um, this is a time when like if something big, she had to make some statement or thank anybody or this is when she would do that. Yeah. And then they carry her off and it's the it's gang like, oh. going off again and then we have another encore to come yeah yeah i wonder if audience knew that there was another on i mean they probably could feel it because the lights obviously you know there's something that a theater does when they know you know something's going to come back yeah but i just think about like um oh my god nobody would have known on the internet like what the set list was Exactly. Well, so and but but see, and here's the thing. I was I was tracking it. This was this was the beginning. The, the summer, the the spring in 1990. Kenny was when I first started reading religiously USA Today. <laughs> and Edna Gunderson, Edna Gunderson, I miss you, Edna Gunderson. Um, she was the music critic at USA Today, and she uh, reviewed all of Madonna's records at that time, and she reviewed this tour. And um, I also, so I was reading reviews as she was like crossing the world. So I was hearing what was going on in the show, but I didn't know the order of the songs until right. the niche show. Um, and my favorite review... 
uh, was from People Magazine, which I read in my orthodontist's office (laughs) that summer, where they called it a 105-minute hullabaloo, amazing for its breadth of controversy. That's my favorite uh, review, uh, short review of a hullabaloo. What is a hullabaloo? I think it's that I know I'm following you sequences a hullabaloo. <laughs> Listen, Mark, I think you're a hullabaloo. Aww. Aww. Well, let's talk about the last number because okay, okay, you know, yeah. um, we love uh keep it together. And yes. um she drags a chair. To, again, uh the music starts back up. Now it's funkier, now it's more, you know, it, it it's got a, an R and B feel. Um, and again, the stage is completely empty at this point. It is completely stripped of everything. It's just the stage and the band. And Madonna comes out with the chair and she sings. No, she doesn't come out with the chair. She comes out with her hands behind her back and she's like sort of stalking in. She doesn't have a chair? I thought she like put her hand up on, her foot up on a chair. Or is she just doing like a dance? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, she doesn't have, she, she, she kind of wanders on the stage. She's got knee pads on. She looks like a clockwork orange extra. Yeah, she's, she's singing the opening of Family Affair by Sly and Family Stone. Oh, yep. Grows up to be somebody who just loves to learn and Great, great, great number. And I think um, it really shows uh, Vincent Patterson's really, it's, it's his moment to shine. It's very Fosse-esque. It's very cabaret. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a, a direct tribute to Liza Minnelli and the Mine Hair number. Um, it, it's, it's just fantastic. It and is. yet it's also... Uh, fresh and fun and, and silly and intricately, like you said, intricately um, complicated, but show offy. Like, look what we can pull off. Yeah. You know, if we work together, if we work together. Totally. I want to just say that this, that song in that performance um, inspired me artistically. Um, that when I was in college at NYU, I was at the experimental theater wing as I am a theater artist. And I was always make my own work with music and visuals. And I, I used keep it together as like the form for a piece I called thick skin, (gasps) which was like this performance piece where I had all my friends were like trapped on walls and they were all screaming and talking about all this pain in their lives. And then at some point I came out as the MC a la Madonna, which I'll talk Ah. to you about a little more in a second with a British accent. And I ripped all of these sheets off of them and they were all in these like kind of sexy outfits. And we did a dance number originally to the, um, 
to the track to the instrumental track of Keep It Together. And then later I had a friend make a version of a song that was like Keep It Together to sort of not use the song. But I this is the thing I really want to talk about is I was looking for an outfit for myself to wear. And so my friend Stacy said, well, we should go to Patricia Fields, which was on at the time on 8th, Ave, 8th Street between University Place and Fifth Avenue. So yeah. we went to Patricia Fields. Patricia Fields was there and she um, outfitted me in this little black kind of like bathing suit with purple fringe on it uh-huh. that... I wore for my performance piece. And that's all I wore, like for the performance piece. And no shoes? Were you no wearing- shoes. No, no shirt, nothing. It was just me and this Penny, little, and this was my show. It was all about like, it was all about like how, I, I don't even remember what it was about, to be honest. But like, I Is just there remember. Is video of this show? No. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I don't There's know. There's 87 I, I, different Madonna Blonde Ambition Tour videos, and I can't get a bootleg <laughs> copy of this thing. I mean, we did it in like a rehearsal studio at the Experimental Theater Wing. Oh, um, who but- was the professor? There was no professor. This was like a project I just made on my own because I was so inspired. And I'm I made so I, jealous. I I'm made so all jealous. of my friends watch the Madonna performance as mm-hmm. like to understand what they were doing. This is what we're going for kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that's like one of the ways that, you know, she inspired me to make yeah. something, you know, and that's something I always get from Madonna like that. I totally inspiring. Well, and, and by this point in, in the, the broadcast, it, you know, we're nearing the 10 o'clock hour. It started at eight o'clock. It, 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 we're almost to 10 o'clock. My mind is officially blown. I'm exploded. I've died. Um, <laughs> I've come back. Uh, and I, I, I remember being so challenged, so excited, so invigorated, and so assured by the show all mm. at the same time. And it's a moment where her talent, the dancer's talent and commitment, her choreographer, the designers, the band, and the cultural moment all came together yes. for this pop. And then, yes. it, and then it was gone. Then it was gone and it was never all going to be those elements again. And, um, and you can tell Madonna knows it. You know, she's yeah. like... And so the song starts to end and everybody and their mother comes out to say goodbye. For the last show. Yes, yes. yes. I mean, and yes, I love that moment. And one of my favorite things about that moment is that she obviously doesn't know it's going to happen. Yes. And at first she's resisting it. And mm-hmm. then there's a moment where she just gives into it and starts it really enjoying saying goodbye to everybody. And we see, you know, all these crazy roadies who show up to like, who don't probably have that much interaction with her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like now are like giving her a hug or that one guy brings out Elvis or the two guys that put hi mom on the back of their shirts. So you can yeah. see, you know, it's so sweet. Well, and 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 people, you know, you, you see her cost, her makeup artist who's with her the whole tour. You see, I feel like the women from the accounting office who do totally. all the booking, they're there. Are there. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the security guards are there. <laughs> Freddie demands loyalty guys they show up like everyone's like there and then we see yeah. the really the inner circle yeah. doing her too
then and then the dancers all say goodbye and the, and the girls and it's I'm like really, literally getting a little really, emotional. Yeah, it's really sad. And it's really yes. like a moment and you wonder what's happening underneath the stage after yeah. with everybody. Is everyone kind of going up and going to do their thing? Are they all drinking? Are they all dancing underneath there together? And then the band starts to go. And that returns us to what the show actually was because at the end of the shows, the traditional shows, um, it, everyone would leave the stage and it would just be Madonna at the end. And it's yeah. Madonna alone with Jay Winding would do the last, he would do the keyboards and he would do the last kind of done, done. Then he would drop off and then Madonna would do the last bit together. And yeah. I do think in that moment, I think if she could have gone on forever, I think she may have. I think it. you're right. She, I thought she went on longer than she thought she would. And, the, yeah. and she wasn't, you know, she didn't also because the message is so beautiful and she's really, it's truly her message, you know? And I think like also through these five or six years of her career, there's been so mis, so much misunderstanding about what she's trying to say and here it is at the basic essence. Mm -hmm. Keep people together, keep people together forever and ever. She's saying it over and over again. The audience is there with her. They're repeating it back to her. It's just a true moment of like, this is what's truly in her heart, mm -hmm. you know? And she doesn't want to let it go because I think, you know, I'm sure as I know and other people I'm sure have had this experience, you know when you're part of something special and you know that nothing ever can stay forever. You know what I mean? That everything has to end. And that, and, and she, that's, and awesome. you have to pull off your 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 hat and move on and walk on, yeah, and let the yeah. lights go down, you know. Yeah. And that is when it is truly a show, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's also what theater is—this reflection of life, you know. That we have to always move forward. We have to, we have to walk out at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. it's just and beautiful. and and kind of the moment of the completeness of it. There's yeah. a moment in the show where. Uh, it feels complete to her when she turns to the end of the stage and she sings the last keep it together you can see on her face relief exhaustion uh joy catharsis yes all of the emotions together and i think it's really great the way that the filmmakers who shot the the uh concert are able to get her face yes agreed. at the very end and she I throws her hat off she doesn't descend into the ground she runs off the stage yeah so beautiful and, yeah and i love that they then capture the m inside of the hat you know yeah. that oh, that that also shows to me like the thing i know i've known all along that this attention to detail ah uh, everywhere you know just so beautiful it's really it really is like i think you know probably because of our ages but i do think that it was also the time in her her life like it is this tour more than any tour is just such a magical, powerful, important experience, you know, yeah. um, and life-changing. Um, uh, what is it, what does it mean to you today? Let's, let's the, wrap up with a, so you and I, you and I are, are, um, we, we have been living with Blonde Ambition Tour 1990 since 1990. Yeah. Um, and it, and 
you know, years will go by and I will, I will catch myself watching a clip from it yeah. or watching the whole thing. Whenever I would find one of these new videos of the different tour, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to watch some of it and see how it's shot differently than like Nice was or like True, True, Truth or Dare. It always feels like a familiar friend. What does it mean to you today now? It's 31 years later. Mm. This changed my life. It gave me an energy source that I didn't understand before about what live performance could be mm -hmm. and um, what that what that power was that she had that I didn't even understand fully until that moment. Yeah. You know, I thought, yeah. so yeah. Um, for me, um, I think I've judged almost every live performance I've ever seen since by mm by that and yeah. and I you know I saw it on video so like it's not really fair it 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 always like every good piece of art it evokes memory and informs a present in a way that I can look at it today and remember the boy I was and see all of the different strands of her creativity that have attached themselves to me and kind of led me along my own creative path through the yeah. years um in some ways that i don't even think we realize she did yeah and and we let her we allowed her to um i just remember being like oh my god this woman is unstoppable i can't wait to see what she does next yeah i yeah it was a moment where i was like i didn't think anybody could become more famous or more powerful in that fame and then this moment sort of was like, we're going to another level. And I think for the next couple of years, a year and a half, we go even higher and higher. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I, the, and it's truly lives up to the name of the tour. The blonde ambition, they're the blind ambition of this show is just so undeniable and, and almost shocking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, we, um, this has been wonderful. Uh, and I really have loved sharing this this conversation with you about blonde ambition because um, I've had so many conversations over the years with different friends um, who have just saw, saw it for the first time or have been like, oh my God, I'm, you know, watching Blonde Ambition again. Can we talk about it? Well, I've loved this conversation too. I, you can see I'm just beaming from <laughs> ear to ear. It's really fills me with such joy. And I've never had a chance to talk through the tour in such detail. And, yeah. you know, we always catch it in little bits and pieces. And, you know, like, or our friend Terry, who's always like watching it, you know, getting really stoned. <laughs> Sorry, Terry. And then emailing, <laughs> texting us at like one in the morning, like watching Keep It Together again. You know, it's like we Iconic. have this, yeah, we have these little <laughs> moments. But to really go through and talk about the experience, it again just makes me think about like, oh, if we had been friends in our teen years, if we had been the same age, like how, well, we would have literally exploded. <laughs> well, I had, I had, uh, uh, I, I would go to Spencer Gifts this summer of 1990 and I had, uh, I bought two tour, t tour uh, posters mm. that were up in my dad's. I, I lived in, my dad had a house with a, 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 an attic bedroom and I had an attic bedroom with, with tilted ceilings. And so I had the two tour posters hanging above my bed so I could look at Madonna and it was the moment when she's with the hair down over one eye from yes. the um, Express Yourself video looking very um, metropolis yes, that was one yes. of them and um, 
I wonder where they are. I oh, miss yeah, them. You I miss them. those I miss those tour tour posters. Um, um, well, till next time. Bye everybody. It's a family of All right, you know Nikki and Donna in the background were like, oh girl. <laughs> girl. Um, are you gonna eat a banana while no, we're I'm not talking? gonna do that? I just I was moving it to the side. <laughs> I had a banana before.